go. And uh, the older we get, the closer we get to heaven, the more we grow in our Christian lives, the less hold this world seems to have on us. Well, let's take our Bibles, if you will. Turn to the book of Third John. Third John, and this is uh, towards the end of your Bible. And uh, if you don't know how to get there, go to Revelation and just come back a couple couple pages. Third John. This is uh, the third epistle, the third letter that John writes. And uh, he writes it to a man by the name of Gaius, who he refers to in verse number one as one whom he loves uh, in the truth. And he's going to, to charge Gaius in a couple of things. He's going to, to uh, give a, a charge to him or a challenge to him, um, words of encouragement, if you will, or uh, we, we would use the word today, and the biblical word is used, edify. Uh, the idea of undergirding or strengthening, uh, building it up. And the purpose of John's writing to Gaius is to strengthen him uh, in his walk. And he begins uh, in verse 1. We're going to read through the entirety of the book. It's uh, just one, one chapter long here. The elder <clears throat> unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And uh, at this point in life, uh, his reference to the elder, John referencing to himself as the elder, is not speaking here of position so much as it is his physical age. He's getting up in years. And uh, he's speaking here, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers in the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, I, if I come, I will remember his deeds." which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words, and not uh, content therewith, neither doth he uh, himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath a good report of all men, and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record. And ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. We shall uh, uh, peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet thy friends, uh, the friends by name. Father, we pray that you'll bless uh, the message and speak to our hearts today as we look into this. Brief uh, text, just a short letter, a brief letter. 
from John to a friend, one that he held very dear, one that he called beloved. And Father, I pray that you would help us to learn the truth of this passage. Lord, may our eyes be opened, and especially even so much more as we see the day that we live in. And I pray that you would help us to purpose in our hearts to follow after the lessons that we can learn, the principles, the truth that is taught here. Father, may we learn to walk in such a way. And so help us, guide us in our thoughts and our, our uh, hearts, that they will be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. John, in writing to Gaius, brings two characters into the letter. And, of course, first, the first character that he deals with is Gaius himself. He writes some things that he has heard about Gaius. By the way, let me just pause here for a moment and say this. It'd be wonderful if people could hear of our walk for the Lord, our love for the Lord. If there was such an example in testimony and in deed that people would say, boy, there's a great God that's done a great work in that person's life. And John deals with some things here in Gaius' life that he had heard. And I want us to look at those very quickly. And then I want us to look at Diotrephes. And we're going to see a contrast that takes place here. And I want to give a few words of, uh, of application this afternoon or this morning uh, regarding some things in the world that we're living in today and the importance that this passage has and the bearing that it has on the, uh, the society that we find ourselves in. He begins in verse 2 by referring to Gaius as beloved. And this is a dear friend of his. This is not just an acquaintance, but someone that John refers to and, and has a, a heart that, that longs for him. And he says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. And, and, and so John's desire is that, and I know this is just a, a, a salutation that he's, he's making here, a, a greeting of him. And, uh, but I want you to understand this, that uh, he refers to two different things here with Gaius. He refers to his physical health, but he also refers to his spiritual health. And as we look in verse 2, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. And he says, I want that, that desire for your health, your physical well-being, even as thy soul prospereth. In other words, John says, uh, Gaius, I, I see your soul prospering. And my desire is that your physical health will be as good as your spiritual health. Can you imagine the testimony that that verse is about Gaius's life? The fact that when John looked at him and loved him as a friend and was concerned about his physical well-being, that he said, Gaius, I would hope and my prayer is that your physical well-being would be as well as your spiritual well-being. You know, the truth is, in our lives, oftentimes, we, we, we kind of pray the other direction, don't we? We say, boy, I sure wish our spiritual life would be as good as our physical health. But the truth is, Gaius was prospering spiritually. And John looked at him and said, I wish your physical health would be as good as that. Now I want us to look at some things that John speaks of regarding Gaius in verse 3. He says this, For I rejoice greatly. And by the way, uh, anytime we find folks that are doing right, that are following after the things of the Lord, it ought to bring joy to a Christian's heart. I get amazed at how critical, how, how petty, how backbiting it seems that we can be as Christians sometimes 
to other brothers and sisters in Christ. But here is a young man who is, who is striving to live godly in Christ Jesus, and John rejoices in it. And he says this, he says, I rejoice greatly when the brethren uh, came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So apparently, Gaius was someone that John had had a direct hand in bringing to Christ because he refers to him as one of his children. And he says in verse 5, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest uh, to the brethren and to strangers. Now, now, there are several things I want us to notice here about, about these things that John brings out in Gaius' life. He begins in verse number 3. When he says, I rejoice greatly that when the brethren came and testified of the truth, that is, what's the next little two-letter word here? In thee. Isn't that an amazing word? He's not saying the truth that you're living by. He says, I'm rejoicing because when the brethren come and speak to me of you, they speak of the truth that is in you. This isn't just something that you do outwardly. This is something that you are allowing to soak into your life that is bringing out a transforming work on the outside. It's so important that over and over in Scripture we find indication that God's more concerned of the inner man than He ever is of the outer man. God is more concerned that we grow in the inner man and that we allow the truth of His Word to become part of who we are rather than just something that we do outwardly. I fear sometimes, and I, I, I have grown up in, in, uh, in, uh, in church. My dad was a pastor, and uh, we, were, we were so separated, we weren't even allowed to, to look cross-eyed at somebody. I mean, that would that'd be wrong, it seemed like. And, and we grew up very, very conservative and very, very strong about some things uh, in, our, in our church. And, and the, the danger that there can be, if we're not careful is we will so focus on trying to appear to be something outwardly that we forget about becoming something inwardly. The test of a man's character is not what he does outwardly. It's not what he does uh, when people are looking. It's what he is in the inner man. And this is one of the great testimonies of Gaius that is given here. John writes, and he says, I greatly re- I rejoice greatly when the brethren come and they testify of the truth that is in thee. And then he says this, even as thou not only was it in him, notice this, even as thou what? Even as thou walkest in truth. It's interesting in Psalm 119 and uh, verse number nine, the Bible says, "Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way?" And he uses the, he asks the question, then he gives the answer. And he says, by taking heed thereto. That word taking heed is an interesting word because it's beyond just hearing. It's beyond just listening. Um, and some of you wives can relate to this uh, with your husbands. Some of you would be like, well, my husband, he never hears me or he never listens to me. And uh, I was, uh, a number of years ago, I heard a, a story of a, a fellow uh, who uh, his wife uh, was losing her hearing. And he was getting frustrated because he had to say things sometimes two, three, four times. And he getting all frustrated at it. And one day his friend was over at the house. He said, I'm really worried about my wife. She's losing her hearing. And he said, what do you mean she's losing her hearing? He said, well, watch this. He said, hey, Doris, 
There's no answer. So he called out a little louder. He said, Hey, Doris! No answer. Called out the third time and said, Hey, Doris! She said, For the third time, George White. The problem wasn't her. The problem was what? Him. Oftentimes, don't we, and don't miss, the, don't miss the point from the humor of that. I hope, I hope you'll remember it because of that. But how often do we look at others and say, boy, they just don't seem to listen to what the Bible has to say. They're not following after the things that they know the Bible has told them to do. And the truth is, we spend so much time often focusing on that that we fail to say, Lord, I want to take heed. I want it to affect my heart. I want it to affect my life. And one of the great testimonies of Gaius in this book is found not only that the truth was in him, but the Bible says this, that he walked in it. He didn't just have it in his heart, but he practiced it outwardly. And, and this ought to be the divine order of things in the Christian life. If we're not careful, I was listening to a fellow by the name of Frank Hamrick a number of years ago. If we're not careful, he made this statement. He said, if we're not careful, we will begin to create hollow Christians. We'll whitewash the sepulcher. We'll cleanse the cup on the outside. We have Christian schools and we have youth groups and we, we have high standards and we teach these young people these standards and we require it of them. And he said, if we're not careful, we'll focus so much on trying to get them to conform on the outside that we'll never deal with the heart. There's nothing wrong with having the rules and the convictions in Christian school. We had one in our church in Florida, and well, we had very strong standards and very strong rules that our young people dealt with. But one of the things that was so important that we had to focus on every year as teachers and as we dealt with these young people was we, we, can, we can enforce these rules, we can have these standards, but if we fail to reach the heart, then we have failed them. There's got to be an inward condition first. That truth needs to become part. And then, then we let that truth have an effect on us. By the way, I was talking with somebody this week. In Galatians, the Bible speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, peace. You think of these things that the, 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 the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible says it's His fruit. It's not ours. It's the fruit that is... He's able to bear in us when we are yielded and following and walk, what the Bible refers to as walking in the Spirit. And what I fear so often is if we're not careful as Christians, we'll work on trying to say, okay, I'm going to work on this area because I'm struggling in this area of my fruit. It's not your fruit to begin with. If you're sitting here focusing on your temper, then you're not even looking at the problem. Because the problem's not your temper. The problem is your yieldedness to the Holy Spirit of God inside. Well, I, if you struggle with with uh, with uh, with uh, treating people mean or or or, or uh, thinking of yourself first and all of these things that could uh, be walking in the flesh, if you struggle with integrity, if you struggle with issues of character, and you say, "Well, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to come to an altar. and I'm going to make a commitment to God. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm not going to cheat anymore. I'm not going to do." You're not even looking at the problem yet. You're looking at the result of the problem. Because the problem is you're not walking in the Spirit. Because I've found that when the Spirit has full and absolute control of our lives, He bears fruit in us. And that fruit is not lying. That fruit is not cheating. It's not stealing. It's not being angry with your neighbor. 
It's not being immoral. Those are not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of these things are going to be born in us. So oftentimes, when we fail in, in an area of our lives, our first inclination is, I need to fix that. It's not even the problem. The problem is, we haven't let the truth get in us. And we're not walking in it. Gaius, it's interesting as he says this in verse number 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Can I tell you this? Not only does walking in the truth bring joy to others, there is no greater joy than walking in truth. Now, an amazing thing. The greatest contentment, the greatest peace, the greatest joy, and we find it in the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all of these things, things that we so long for to be part of our lives and to be attributes and characteristic of our life, are given naturally through us as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God. Gaius is known not only for having the truth in him, but for walking in it. And then I want you to notice this in verse number 5. The Bible says, Beloved, Thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. It's not an observation, it's a command. It's, it's a challenge, it's a charge to him. He was saying, Gaius, I want you to do faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. This, this, this walking in the truth that you've been doing, this, this being a blessing to those around you, this, this being a help to those that are laborers in the ministry, so much so that Paul said uh, that later on, further down in verse number 8, therefore, uh, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers in the truth. Gaius was, was walking in the truth so much that those that were striving to do the work of the gospel, he was being a help to and a fellow laborer to. And, and John said this to him. He says, I want you to be faithful in that. Somebody said years ago, the Christian life or life, life itself is a, a series of ups and downs. There's mountaintops and there's valleys. And he said that he made this statement. He said, Christ said that uh, he came that we might have life and that we might have life more abundantly. That means higher mountaintops and lower valleys sometimes. But the truth of the matter is, there ought to be a steadfastness, there ought to be a faithfulness, there ought to be a consistency of the Christian life. And thing, one of the things that marked his character was not only that he had the truth in him, not only that he walked in the truth, but that he did so faithfully. So much so that John said, I want you to continue to do that. Make sure that you stay faithful in these things. John's getting up in years. He referred to himself as the elder. And I know he's thinking in his mind that, that he's not gotten many more years to be a help and an encouragement to Gaius. And he's leaving him with these thoughts. He says in verse number 5, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. Be consistent. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. By the way, that's a, that's a, a, a theme throughout many of Paul's writings, isn't it? Being steadfast. Being unmovable. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Isn't it amazing that here's another apostle... Referring to something of being faithful. Don't waver. 
Don't go up and down. Just be consistent in the Christian life. This is what Mark gave us. Notice as we get down to verse number 9, John writes this. He says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. There was a man in the church that wanted to have the power, wanted to have the leadership, wanted to have the preeminence, wanted to have the focus on him. By the way, we ought to have a humble spirit. Amen. And this man's wanting to have the preeminence. He says, among them, and receiveth us not. Wherefore, I, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth. Now, these are the deeds that marked diatrophies, all right? Let's see what they are. He says, first of all, pratting against us with malicious words. Pratting against us with malicious words. Using, using untruths or, or half-truths to cause people to put into a poor light those that were working and striving for the gospel like the Apostle John. He makes this statement. He says that he, is, uh, doeth, he has pratting uh, uh, against us with malicious words. And then he says, secondly, and not content therewith, neither doth himself receive the brethren. Not only is he content with stirring up the church not to, turn, not to have them in, but he himself does it. And forbiddeth them that would... There was somebody in the church that said, we want to be a fellow helper, a fellow laborer with John. We want to have a part in that, in the brethren that are working and serving. He said, not only are they not allowed in our church, I don't want them in our church. And if you want them in our church, you're not allowed in our church. That's what Diotrephes was saying. Now notice what he says here in verse number 11. Beloved, follow not that which is what? We have, we have a man who is noted for having the truth in him, walking in the truth, and being faithful in the truth. And then we have a man over here. This man wants to have the preeminence. This man over here does not want brethren in the church that are serving God. And God calls this man evil. He says in verse number 11, Beloved, uh, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. We're not talking about sinless perfection here, but we're talking about the heart's desire. When we got saved, the Bible says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And when we get saved... There is a change that takes place on the inside. I'll be real frank with you. I grew up in a pastor's church, but until I got saved, I didn't have a hunger and thirst for the things of the Lord. I tolerated them. When I got saved, something changed. All of a sudden, I wanted to read my Bible. All of a sudden, I wanted to hear the preaching. Why? Because there was a change in heart. There's something that took place here. And here's a man that's in the church, Diotrephes. And John calls him out, calls him evil for his deeds. He speaks of the fact that this man who's doing evil, more than likely he's not even saved. Because there's no desire for the things of God in him. And he goes on to verse number 12. He says, Demetrius hath a good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is what? True. So he said, listen... Yes, we've heard your record. 
Demetrius has told us these things. We understand them. And we understand your record. Now, I want to bring us to the message. And the message is this, if you will. Look with me, if you will, in uh, uh, verse number uh, 12. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record. And ye know that our record is true. The life that Gaius was living was not just apparent to those around him, but others that were not around him even heard of it. The life that he lived, the character that he lived by, impacted those not only that were around him, but even those that spoke of him. Word had gotten all the way back to John. He rejoiced in these things. He said, I've heard of these things. And there's another, there's another thing that's, that's shown here in this book, and that is that John had also heard of Diotrephes, hadn't he? Both of them had a testimony. One for good and one for evil. The message in the charge today is this. Could we follow after the testimony that Gaius displayed here? I'm not saying all of us are like uh, Diotrephes. But are we like Gaius? Is our testimony such that when people look at our lives, they say there's somebody that has the truth in them? There's somebody that walks in the truth. And there's somebody who's faithful to the truth. I'm appalled at the condition of our country. I've spent some time in the last couple of weeks watching and dealing with and hearing about ministries, churches, pastors that are changing to follow the society of this day. Word is being spread. The testimony of Christ is being seen by a world. And when they look at some of the, these folks, these, these churches, these pastors, they look at some of the, the things that they're changing on. What I fear they're seeing is those that are evil. And the challenge in the charge today is this. If ever there's a time for those that are in churches that teach the truth of the Word of God to take a stand on their testimony... To live in such a way that not only do we have the truth in us, but we walk in it and we're faithful in it. We're consistent in it. If ever there's a day for God's people to say, Lord, I want to commit to this, it's the day that we live in. We're quickly watching. I, I, there have been other denominations out there over the last several years that have come out openly and made policies that are that are vulgar and that are crass and that are certainly sinful and against the things of Scripture, I would have never thought that Baptist people would have ever done that. And I'm not in agreement with the Southern Baptist Convention, but nowadays we're even seeing the Southern Baptist Convention go a different direction. And you say, is that important? Yes, because it's getting closer and closer to home. And more and more people who name the name of Christ are not committed to the truth. They're not committed to following after and walking in the truth the way that Gaius did. 
They're not committed to being steadfast and being faithful in it. But they're allowing these things to, to, to go the way of the world. The only, the only motivation I can see in that is the motivation that Diotrephes had. Diotrephes did not want to please God. Diotrephes wanted to please Diotrephes. He wanted to please men. He wanted to have the preeminence. He wanted men to think highly of him. I want to share this thought with you. When it comes to standing on the truth of God's Word, we need to be willing to do it regardless of the cost. You say, well, somebody's going to ridicule me. Okay. But I'm not going to change. We're still going to hold to the truth of God's Word. Well, somebody's going to... Somebody's going to threaten me. Somebody's going to uh, protest against me. Somebody's going to riot against me. Okay, but we're not going to move. Because the truth is in us. It's part of who we are. We've become this. And not only is it in us, but we're walking in it. We're taking heed to it. We're applying it to our lives. And we're going to do it faithfully. We're going to do it steadfastly. Folks, we're, we're, we're in a strange situation the days that we live, these, these last days. And we are in such a great need for some of God's people to rise up and say, we're going to trust the Word of God. We're going to stand for it. We're going to hold to it. We're going to anchor ourselves to it. And we're not going to be moved from it. We're going to be faithful to it. We're going to be committed to it. We're going to teach it. We're going to preach it. We're going to, with boldness, show it to the world. And, and hopefully... Hopefully, there's enough time left that the world will be able to see the testimony of some Christians that will say, I will not be moved, and it will make a difference. I don't know if we have that much time left or not. But can I tell you this? It's worth the effort. It's worth the commitment. It's worth the, it's worth the time for us to say, Lord, I've not been as strong in these areas as I should have, but I'm going to. I see the need. And I'm going to do what's right because it's right. And not worry about what man can do to us. One of the great things that we love in the Baptist faith is individual soul liberty. And while they may put us in prison, while they may chain us in shackles, they can never chain our soul. And this is how the Apostle Paul and Silas could sit in the middle of a prison at midnight, having been beaten, and sing praises to God. Because there was liberty, not captivity. There's great, great strength in living in such a way that we are marked by these characteristics that Gaius had. And John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. No greater joy if John was so overjoyed with the life of Gaius, it makes me wonder, wonder what the Lord Jesus Christ thought of him. If it helps others to rejoice and say, boy, I'm so glad that that brother or sister is standing strong and doing right, I wonder what the Lord Jesus Christ thinks of it. Oh, I can't wait to get to heaven one day. And our hope and our desire is to hear words, well done, well done. 
Sad to say, there are often times in our lives where we don't do things well. We let these things slip. There may be even things that we could think of today in our lives that we've said, you know, there used to be a time, used to be a time that I held to this. It was in the Bible, but I've kind of in these days let this slip. There have been a lot of pressures, and I'll share a couple of them real quick in closing that I know I've had in my life. There's been a lot of pressure in the day that we live because the truth is uh, a lot of folks who used to hold to the Bible, who used to preach the Bible and the truth of God's Word, and said that that is, that is the, that's it. The Bible says it and that's it. Are drifting now and they're teaching a social gospel. There's been a lot of pressure uh, in my life over the years for people to say, uh, Pastor, you ought to change in this area. You'd get more people to come to church and you'd have a bigger church. And I tell you this, I'd far rather be right on Scripture than have the largest church in the world. There's pressure pushed for us to do that. There are standards that I have grown up with in my life. Some of them are issues that if I were to not have them would be wrong according to Scripture. There are some that would not necessarily be wrong, but they would not be wise and would take me down a road that would lead me toward things that were wrong. And so I have some standards in those areas in my life. And I'll be real frank with you. I've had people really close to me say, well, why don't you just, why don't you just do this? I don't understand why you don't do this. Everybody does it. Look at that pastor over there. Look at that church over there. They're doing it. They're doing it. They're doing it. They're doing it. And the pressure is there, is it not? We must remain firm and say, no, this is what the Bible says, and I'm going to hold to it. The truth has got to be in us. It's got to be in us. I've had, for years, I've had a standard in my life not to go to movie theaters and not to go and watch watch Hollywood movies at these theaters and places like that. I was raised that way for one thing, but I've had them. I I am amazed at how many folks I grew up with that held to that same standard years ago that have now changed on that standard. And you say, well, is that a sinful thing? Is it is it sinful to walk into a movie theater? In many cases it is because of what's going on in there. I'm not saying in every case, but is it a wise thing? Certainly not. Would it open up appetites and issues for sinful things, other things to come into our life? Absolutely. It's not helping me to draw closer to the Lord. So you put a standard in place. I'm not saying you have to have the same standard I have, but I'm saying this. The standards that we have ought to be based from God's Word and what God puts in our hearts to have from His Word. And we should have them and not be moved from them. We should be faithful to them. I'm amazed at how many of my friends over the years, how many people I've known over the years that have changed their standards. The truth was not in them. Or if it was, they weren't walking in it. Or if they did walk in it at some point, they were not faithful to do so. We must make sure all three hold true in our life. Not just have the Word of God in us, but to walk in it and to do so faithfully.
Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. Lord, may there be a commitment in our hearts to follow after the truth of Your Word, to be steadfast in it. Lord, so many things in the day that we live. We're watching riots take place in our society.